we're talking about fathers. And in talking about fathers and looking at the scriptures today, I don't want those who aren't fathers to, to tune out. Because once again, this is God's word. God's word is living and active, able to impact you and me, regardless of the title or designation that we have. I'm going to be speaking specifically to dads today, to men, but please don't disregard what God's word has for each of us, because these truths are invaluable. Billy Graham would say, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. Think about that. Abraham Lincoln would speak to character. He would say, character is like a tree, a reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. This morning, we're going to be looking at a man of character. I'm actually really thrilled to, to look at this man, this individual in Scripture. Um, our, our focus for today is, is going to be on Joseph. It's interesting. Joseph never leads an army or, or masses. We don't see that. When you look at his life, there's no recorded speeches or sermons. Interestingly enough, there's not even a recorded word or phrase from this man, Joseph. We really don't see the, the accolades of his peers or, or friends. He never even really performs any miracles or spectacular events. When we look at this man, Joseph, we simply know him as a father. And honestly, I'm, I'm shocked that I have not preached on him for a Father's Day message sooner. I, I, as I've, I've studied this week and looked at, at Joseph, I mean, really, this is a fascinating study for, for fathers. I mean, often I hear men, you know, ask me, so are you going to beat me down with the scriptures again and make me feel bad? That, first of all, that's not what I come to do. I mean, really. But we're just looking at Joseph as a dad. When we come, we, we see some insights into his thoughts. And, and truth be told, men, dads, we think a lot. And some of those thoughts are, are thoughts of the heart. And we'll see some of those. We will see his actions. I, I like that as a man. To see action. Not just a tongue wagging. We, we get to see the work that he did. 
It's interesting, conversations amongst men, real quickly, if you don't know someone, the, one of the first few questions you ask, so what do you do? We're going to look at what he did. We're going to observe the faith that this man lived out. We're going to put that under a microscope there, and we are going to look at his deep character. God for us has recorded the character of this man, Joseph, eternally in his word. How cool is that? When, when, you, when you think about Joseph, you've got to understand he had other sons too. And we're going to look at him specifically as, as you know, the stepfather to Jesus, but he had other sons. In fact, two of them wrote Scripture. You're like, really? Yeah. In fact, James, James, oh man, you talk about a powerful individual. I mean, James had some words to say. And when James writes in, in chapter 2, verse 18, well, look at what he says. But someone may well say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Wow. What a bold statement, James. I wonder what kind of home he grew up in. I wonder who his father was. Look what he says. You believe that God is one? <laughs> you do well. The demons also believe. They shudder. Does that belief cause you to shudder? But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. We're going to look at the actions of this man, Joseph. I mean, imagine the home that he grew up in where his son would write something like that. The example his dad gave to him. Another son, Jude, wrote a, wrote a whole book. I mean, all, you know, Verses, not even chapters, I mean, but it's a short book, but powerful. Jude really wanted to talk about salvation and all of that. Instead, he was compelled because of the flattery of the tongue, because of the slyness of words and deceit to talk about those who were leading God's people astray. Jude was not very impressed with words. In fact, he understood the danger of words. He's like, watch them. Watch their actions. These are just two of his sons. We see another son that he raised. Well, it wasn't his son. He was a stepfather. Some here may be even able to identify as a stepdad. Well, so could Joseph. Joseph. Man who raised God's son. That's, that's kind of intimidating, isn't it? I mean, my goodness, I thought it was scary just raising my own boys. You're asked to raise the son of God to teach and train him. How terrifying. What a responsibility. 
And, and when, you, when you look at that son, oh my goodness, Matthew. Matthew records some of those words of that son, Jesus Christ. Jesus would preach an amazing sermon called... Um, and, and in that sermon, he would say something. I wonder if his, word, his thoughts went back to his stepdad, Joseph. In verse 10 of chapter 5, Jesus would say these words, Blessed, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if he thought about Joseph when he said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Joseph, righteous man, would face persecution. Evil things would be said about him, his wife, his son. Falsehoods. Many difficulties due to following God because of Jesus Christ. Blessed is that man. Blessed is the man or woman here today who endures those things for the name and the sake of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at Joseph's three things about Joseph. His choice to follow and we're going to consider the, the things, the cost he had to count. And mark my words, if you follow Christ, if you follow God, there is a cost. We're going to look at his choice to obey and his courage. His choice to follow. The consistency we see in this man. We're introduced to this man described by God as righteous. In Matthew chapter 1, I'd encourage you to turn your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, we are introduced to this man, Joseph. We look at his genealogy right there in the first part of Matthew. When you look at the genealogies of the New Testament, Luke carries the genealogy of Mary. It's interesting that Mary goes all the way back to Adam. All humanity. Mary represents the, the human side. If you look at his father's side, well, his father is God. Perfect and pure. His stepfather, on the other hand, is, is Joseph here. Both Mary and Joseph from the line of David. And we're introduced to this man. And it says, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, meaning before they were intimate, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. That poses a problem 
for both of them. And we looked at Mary's side on Mother's Day. Today we're focusing on Joseph. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man. That's how Scripture describes Joseph. A righteous man. And not wanting to disgrace her. Planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Love that. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Which translated means God with us. What a powerful name. What a message. And Joseph awoke. Awoke from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What a man! Joseph makes the choice to follow and, and, and to really help you understand the significance of this choice, the impact of this decision to follow God, you have to understand some things about marriage in the first century. We touched on them just a little bit with Mary. I want to remind you, first of all, marriages were typically arranged. Sometimes I think that might be a better way to go these days. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm at my daughter's getting older. I, I, you know. <laughs> but, but the two fathers would come together. They would arrange this marriage. And often, these children would know each other from childhood. They knew each other. They got to know each other. After the betrothal, okay, there was a time after the agreement, they were engaged, which was a legally binding marriage at this point. But they don't expect two individuals to come together who haven't known each other or even thought about this maybe and then the very next day jump into bed and have sex together as a married couple. They expected the relationship to grow and mature. And so for an approximate year there would be a betrothal period where they would function and look and act and be married without the intimacy of coming together sexually. Each one would live at their parents' place for that time. The man would go and prepare a place for he and his bride. The bride would remain there and prepare herself and prepare to be his bride. It's a beautiful picture, by the way, of Jesus and the church. A whole other message altogether. 
It would also serve as a time to, well, make sure that the bride was pure. Think about our time here as the church. But is she pure? It was during this time Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. Now we don't know for sure. We, you know, theologians have all sorts of ideas whether Mary told Joseph and ran off to Elizabeth's place for three months, or if she went there and then came back and said, Joseph, I'm I'm pregnant, you know, the little bulge there. Well, we don't know. I, I personally tend to think that that Mary did tell Joseph before she went to Elizabeth's. She needed that time with Elizabeth. She needed to see the miracle that God had given Elizabeth with a son to confirm the message of this angel. But she goes and tells Joseph, Joseph, I'm pregnant, and then goes off. Three months, Joseph gets to think about this. Now, Joseph has three options. The first option is to take her down to the leaders. To take her before the city gates, show that she is pregnant. And according to Deuteronomy, because of her adultery, they would take her out publicly and stone her. That's option one. Option number two is to go quietly before the rabbi and seek a divorce. To show before the, the rabbi that she is pregnant and, and because of that he wants a divorce and to send her off to live with her family in quiet. This was the option that Joseph's considering, understandably. And the third option, oh, that's a scary option. The third option is to take her as his wife. Taking Mary as his wife would be taking on her guilt, her shame, her actions. It could be saying, well, the child's mine, and well, you know, we didn't abide by what God had, has set forth. Either way, embracing the ridicule, the slander, the gossip. Imagine living in a small town where everybody knows everybody and the tongues that would wag. That's a scary option. But that's the option that God wants Joseph to take. Place yourself in, in Joseph's sandals for just a moment. We know the story. We know how it ends. We, we know who he is and who Jesus is and all of that. But consider Joseph for just a moment. 
One moment he is, he's preparing a place, he's working on the house. I don't know. Maybe he's, he's preparing that, that place and Mary comes, he sees her walking down the road. Oh, his heart leaps within him. Oh, there's my bride. And she comes and, and he sees that there's this mixed look of excitement, concern, and fear. And she says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Let yourself be Joseph for just a moment. How would you feel? What emotion would, would, would occur? What would happen to your heart as it rips in two? Just a moment ago, you're, you're planning this wonderful marriage. You're thinking about this woman that you love. She goes and says that. You ask, who's the father? She goes, God. Really? You have the audacity to go and get pregnant, to cheat on me, and you won't even tell me who he is. And here you go and make it spiritual. Think about being in Joseph's place and, and that she would even lie like this. You, you can't fault Joseph for thinking that. I mean, he knew how pregnancy worked. It takes two. Well, up until that point, anyway. I don't believe that Joseph was a rash man. Mary says, I'm going to go off to my, my cousin Elizabeth and I'm going to spend some time there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Leave. His heart's breaking. I wonder how many, how many hours in, in tears this man weeping before God. The questions of why this woman that he loved, he cherished her. They've, they've worshipped together. They've prayed together. They've, they've enjoyed times as families together. They were talking about their marriage and their plans. And she goes and does this. I imagine after maybe weeks, maybe months, I don't know, of thinking this through, of all the options, if I get my hands on that guy. He's like, I love Mary. I cherish this woman. But I cannot marry a woman in sin like that. So, Joseph, we see his character here. 
not wanting to disgrace her. He says, you know, I will forgive her. I will forgive her. I will show her grace. I will show her mercy. But I can't, I can't marry her. I'll divorce her quietly. And in his heart, his mind, as he thought through that, that is the decision he comes to. You know, I find that God often uses these moments. The moments in our lives that cause us to weep, to fall flat on our face in prayer before Him, to plead with Him. I find that God works in these moments to reveal himself to us in powerful ways. Can you relate? I know he has for me. We cry out, God, <laughs> if you're there. You ever question if God is even there in those moments? You cry out, God, I need healing. God, I need power. God, I need direction. God did all three for, for Joseph. Think about it. He healed his broken heart. That angel comes, the message comes, and he says, Joseph, that woman has not cheated on you. In fact, the woman you chose... To, to be your bride, I have chose to be the one to carry the Messiah. Wow. What healing must have occurred in his, his heart? She's not lying. That baby boy in her is the Son of God. That would bring healing, wouldn't it? What, what about empowerment? I mean, the angel says, do not be afraid. It's not, don't be afraid of me. Did you hear the message? Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid of what's going to come. Don't. I will give you the power. I will give you the boldness. Fear not. What a message. It's going to be scary, though. But don't fear. Oh, and then direction. Joseph, I'm the father, so I'm going to name the boy. His name's going to be Jesus. You see, typically, the naming was the father's responsibility. And typically the father would name the son in some way, especially the firstborn son, in some way to reflect upon himself, carrying on that family name. God says, you're going to name him Jesus. He will be called Emmanuel. You know why? Because God with us. God is with his people. He's going to reflect his father. And Joseph, here's your direction. 
What an amazing thing that God through this offers healing, power, and direction. And Joseph follows. You know, Joseph awakes. I, I love it. It says he woke up and he took Mary as his wife. He followed immediately. And we'll talk about that in the obedience, but he counted the cost. Mary, when he took her, is going to be known as an adulterer. The child's going to be known as an illegitimate son. The tongues would wag, the people would gossip. Evil things would be said about them. Imagine the wedding parade. Oh, you look forward to that wedding day. The bride does, the groom does, and in that time they would parade through the streets. Imagine your friends lifting up your bride as they parade through the streets, and your bride has a bulge. And everyone in the town knows. He counted the cost. That cost would go with them all their life. Mark 6 3 says this. It says. Is not this the carpenter looking at Jesus, the son of Mary? Oh my goodness. They wouldn't even acknowledge Joseph. The son of Mary, that illegitimate. I mean, in John, it talks about how, how the, the Pharisees would say, You're, you have an illegitimate father. Wow. God's like, no. Jesus is like, no. You serve the father, your devil, the devil. Powerful words, another message, another time. But my goodness, and the brother of James and Jose and Judas and Simon, are not his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. This is 30 some years later. That reputation kind of stuck with him. But Joseph... Joseph chose to follow God, knowing the cost. Do you know the cost of following Christ? Do you know the cost of following God's plan for your life? There is a cost. And Joseph would take Mary and be her advocate. What a man to stand up for his wife. At all cost. Dads, I want to say a side note right now. There's no greater thing you can do for your children than to love their mother. Demonstrate a Christ-like love for their mother. Protect her cherish love her and let your children see that let your grandchildren see that it's the greatest blessing you can give your children is to love their mother demonstrate for your sons demonstrate for your daughters what a husband looks like and Joseph does that fathers we need to be that 
chooses to follow God regardless of the cost. Have you counted the cost? He obeys. He makes a choice to obey. Obedience. As we've gone through the Old Testament and book by book by book, if you haven't figured it out now, God values obedience. He thinks very highly of obedience, and Joseph demonstrates this in such a powerful way. He sets forth an amazing example for his children, for those that read his narrative later on. Think about it. God says, take her. He doesn't argue. We don't have this dialogue where Joseph's like, all right, God, but really, you're going to have to like send a sign for the whole community to know because this is really going to be awkward. He doesn't negotiate. He simply obeys. There's no discussion, no delay, just obedience. We bargain with God way too often. Gets up, marries her. He calls him Jesus. Everybody's like, why would you do that? Because God told me to. Oh, okay. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. I love this. Look with me the, through 15 here. It says, now... When they had gone, behold, the angel of the Lord. This is right after the, uh, the wise men come, by the way. Child's a little bit older. They're there in Bethlehem. Now when the child had... When, no, sorry, not the child. Now when they had gone... No, the child's still with them. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother. Notice he doesn't say, Take your son. God knows whose son he is. He says, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night. This man does not delay in his obedience. I love this. Look. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken of by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. He goes and he takes his family to a foreign country. This is not a man who is a global traveler, by the way. He's a simple man. But he obeys God immediately. He stays there, by the way. Look at verse 19. But when Herod had died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph uh, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for whose, who sought, those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard Archias was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. Oh, my word. And came and lived in the city of Nazareth. This was to fill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. What obedience. 
Do you realize what he was doing in obeying God? Going to a foreign land, that's hard. But he stayed there till God said. Coming back to his land, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Bethlehem. That's a good place. Oh, no, you get to go back to Nazareth where all those tongues are still going to wag. Where all the people still know you. Are you willing to obey God even when it's difficult? Even when it costs you something? Without question. Let me encourage you, let your children see you obey God. Let your children see you make these decisions. Let them understand that this isn't easy. I think far too often we shelter our children from this. Joseph understood he's raising God's son. He understood that in doing this, he was raising that promised Messiah. For centuries, God had been promising. It's not his own son. But Joseph chooses to father this boy. Joseph fathers Jesus intentionally. What an honor fathering is. And Joseph makes the choice to father. Fathering, by the way, is far greater than just getting a woman pregnant. It has come down to that simple definition in our culture. Oh, that's the father. He got her pregnant. No, fathering, father is a verb. Let that sink in. Father is a verb. It is the actions, it's what we do. That word brings action with it. I, I like the song. My wife doesn't understand it as much, but man, my boys and I, we get it, we love it. It's, it's a Chad Brock song. Lightning does the work. You may have heard it. The chorus goes like this. It ain't the smoke, it's the fire that gets the burning done. Makes sense. If it wasn't for the bullet, nobody'd fear the gun. It ain't the bark, it ain't the growl, it's the bite that hurts. Thunder's just a noise. But lightning does the work. See, we need men. We need husbands. We need fathers who are men of action. Nathan addressed it. We have far too many lazy men, lazy fathers, lazy husbands. And Joseph demonstrates in such a beautiful way how to be a man of action. Not one word is recorded about this man. He doesn't give lip service to it. He does it. And we see that in three ways, and I'm going to close with this. We see it in his work. 
Joseph's a carpenter. He worked with his hands. It wasn't some noble trade. It wasn't the trade everybody oohed and awed over. It didn't put him in the limelight, but it provided for his family. He was a hard worker. We need to value men, husbands, fathers who provide for their family. And that's becoming less and less common. But he worked. Even Jesus followed in his footsteps as a carpenter. Most likely when Joseph passed away, most scholars believe he did before Jesus started that ministry. Jesus would work as a carpenter, caring for his, his mother, maybe his brothers and sisters. We don't know. Scripture's silent on that. But Joseph was a leader. You're like, I thought he didn't lead. I thought he wasn't. No, he was a leader in his home. He set an example for his children. You don't see men like Jude and James without a man like this in their life. He showed them. Showed them how to go through life's struggles, hardships, and follow God. In the victories, he showed them how to follow God. In his worship, in his following of God, he takes his family too. Your relationship is not just your own. You are to draw and lead your family in that relationship with God. And he gives that example. Your work, your leading or example, and your worship. Dads, we need to be worshipers. We need to be ones who look at God and worship Him. We need to let our families see that. We need to take the lead in that. Joseph here takes the lead. In Luke 21, or Luke 2, 21, sorry. Not 21. Luke 2, 21. We see this. It says... After eight days had passed, this is according to God's word. After eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They were poor. They couldn't afford the, the bigger sacrifice. But regardless, Joseph sacrifices. Regardless, Joseph still follows God. faithful to engage his family in worship. 
I love what's said in Luke uh, 2.41. He says, now his parents, that's Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. Every year he's faithful, consistent. He's raising his family and making sure they understand this is what God wants. We're going to do it. It's, it's also that same trip that they, they lose Jesus. Oops. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, God, uh, we lost your son. Um, that's an awkward <laughs> prayer, isn't it? Uh, can you help us find him? Truth be told, that might be a prayer you need to pray today. God, I've lost sight of your son. I, I need to be close to him. I need to follow him. And God, I've lost sight of your son. Will you help me find him? They found him. He said, didn't you know I'd be at my father's house? I appreciate you men who are here today. I get a lot of emails, and some of them have statistics. Some are fascinating. Others I just toss. It's interesting. Did you know that Father's Day is the least attended day of church? Lowest attendance over the course of the year is Father's Day. Greatest attendance <laughs> right up there with Easter and Christmas is uh, Mother's Day. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you are leading your family and, and setting an example of what's important for you, what's important for your family. We look at Joseph's life. We see a man not giving a lot of lip service out there, but but he's doing something. He's working. He's leading his family. He's setting an example. He's worshiping God. And you know what? Joseph wasn't perfect in this. But what Scripture shows is he was consistent. God's not looking for perfection. He knows we can't have it. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Oh, but we can be consistent. We need to be consistent. God's still looking for fathers like he looked for Joseph. Still looking for individuals that will follow him even after counting the cost are willing to follow those who are willing to obey without question, but faithfully. And when we do, let's do it consistent. Let's pray. God, that consistency Lord, you, you have showed your consistent faithfulness to us. Your unwavering love, regardless of, 
of the way we, as your children, are disobedient, careless. God, some of us have even played the prodigal and wandered away. We've lost sight of your son. God, I pray this morning for the dads here, for the men, the husbands. God, that you would embolden them. As Nathan talked about the, the breastplate of righteousness, God, that we would put your righteousness on and lead our families in that. God, that we as your church would be faithful to follow you, to obey you. God, may we see a consistency as your children. God, we love you. And I pray that as your church, as your children, we make this an amazing Father's Day for you. Because we truly do love you. And you loved us first. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please.